What's good, people? We back. This is another episode, the second edition of the Mavs Outsiders podcast. Um, one half of your host, Maurice Williams, a.k.a. Mind of Reese on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm joined by my brother, Mike Bibbins, at Bibbs Corner on Twitter. On Twitter. Uh, Bibbs Corner everywhere. Follow his podcast, Bibbs Corner. Well, is it still Bibbs Corner? I mean, you can find it by looking for up Bibbs Corner. <laughs> Actually, matter of fact, you could probably find everything at his website, BibbsCorner.com. Bam, that, that's a winner. <laughs> I'm a perfect wingman. Uh, man, uh, this has been, well, first of all, uh, happy side stick inside dude day uh it's officially monday the day after valentine's day uh i didn't celebrate valentine's day because i have no one how about you bibs i mean you just wish me a happy side dude day so um, i didn't wish you a happy side dude day i wish <laughs> everyone you know listening a happy no, side dude day no i appreciate that that was um I, you know we don't get a much love out here being side dudes so it's, it's nice to be appreciated well, uh, I don't know much about being appreciated because I didn't get to celebrate Valentine's Day or Side Dude Day, so I guess I'm not worthy either. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. Get him next year. Get him next year. Hey, look, it's okay. Uh, I didn't feel the love yesterday, but I did feel the love this week, this past week, for some okay. Dallas Mavericks basketball. It we felt weird. Nice look. Yeah, go ahead. It, it, it felt weird to win a couple games in a row. <laughs> I mean, granted, we 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 topped it off with a loss, uh, which we'll get into. <laughs> but compared to the other losses we've had, that loss didn't sting as much. Okay. So before we get into that game, uh, would you like to start from the top with the Minnesota Timberwolves game? Let's do it. Um, KP showed up. That yes. That's let's start off with that. KP showed up. It wouldn't be the first time this week, but KP showed up. No, he he definitely did. And you know, the Wolves were dealing with a lot of injuries. They had one big man in Naz Reed. And, you know, it's one of those situations where if he didn't show up, it was gonna be a huge problem. Facts. So he did. I I didn't have to complain <laughs> that night. I'm usually of the mindset of not applauding the fish for swimming, but I'll be appreciative and give him his credit. Uh, he did have a very good game. Uh, game came down closer than it should have been, but yeah. he had a great game, considering where we were at halftime. But and that, Mavericks, and at that one, and that's one of those situations where on my pod, I you know I still do the recaps. I had to go in on the idea of Luca playing with his food because mm-hmm. we went up 20 in the first quarter. If I'm not mistaken, we were we up did. like 40 something. It was like 45 to 23 or something like that. We were. And then we coasted. I think somebody pointed out we didn't win any other quarter after the first quarter. 
Uh, I thought we were still up by almost 20 in the second we, in the second we quarter, correct? Just, yeah, we maintained the lead through pretty much the second and almost the entire third quarter. But they, like, chipped away at it in, about, in like, the second and third quarters pretty much. They uh, basically we got up 20, and then we just kind of coasted the rest of the game. And I, on my podcast, like I said, I did the, you know, it, I said is Luca a killer, but what it really meant is does Luca play with his food because – we got up big and we just took the, the 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 foot off the gas. And Luca likes to pass the ball more and like not like drive it home on it on these dudes. And so, like you said, we ended up with a close game. They they brought it back to as close as three points in the end of closing minutes. Uh, I just the first half it was. Uh, what's how does the saying go? It was a, a tale of two halves or a game of two halves? Yeah. Okay, that's how the saying goes. As it, remember when I tweeted and I said uh, for the Pelicans game, I said I can't express how happy I am with the Mavs performance. That was okay. me the first half of the Timberwolves game. The second See? half was the complete opposite. See, and I I couldn't even be happy going up twenty because I I knew who these boys were. I try not to sometimes, but you know, when they looking good, I they almost got me. They almost got me. They almost seduced me into sending out a, a happy tweet. And I was like, nah, I'm gonna go ahead and wait. The Mavericks <laughs> are like a scandalous hoe when they go up 20 points. They try to seduce you and then they just pull it right back. <laughs> <laughs> you, you still feeling some type of way about Valentine's Day, see clearly. I am. I am. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, yeah we, we did win. I, I should have cashed at someone door to forty dollars, but we won the game. You're right. <laughs> we won the game. So then, <laughs> what, what was the next one? Uh, Atlanta. Uh, we were home. Another close game. Uh, mm. We won by one point, one eighteen to one seventeen. But unlike the Timberwolves game, this wasn't a you know uh, a game where we had a big lead and blew it. Uh, kind of like the Atlanta game from the week prior, I believe we were up by 15, blew it in like the last few minutes, I think. Yep. This was pretty much a, a close game for the majority of the entire game. So uh, They got up about 15 at one point in the third quarter. Yeah, I'm looking at the, uh, not the box scores, but basically the summary. We had to, we outscored them by 10 points in the fourth quarter, 37 to 27. Okay. Uh, I believe where they took off on us was the second quarter where they outscored us 30 to 19 because the first and third quarter were basically a a point difference in our favor. Gotcha. So, so yeah, we were clutching that one, you know, KP was in foul trouble, so he wasn't as much help, but Brunson, THJ and Willie Colley-Stein stepped up. I don't have a problem or issue with uh, close victories. I think close victories are needed, especially for a team that's hoping to make the playoffs. Right. Uh, my only issue with close victories is where we have a big lead and we blow it. And we right. have to uh, finish out a close victory at the end. Uh, right. Hard fought, slobber games. I love to watch them. They're needed, build character. But, you know, just try not to blow games. That's all I Uh, moving on, uh, another, this 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 was the one I was pleased with, <laughs> very much so. Uh, went over the New Orleans Pelicans, one forty three to one thirty. 
Mm. Uh, Luca and KP looking like the Splash Brothers. <laughs> I tried to yeah. come up with a nickname on the spot, but I, I, I couldn't. Um, Luca was 46, I, 8, and 12. Yeah. Yeah. And what, KP had what, 36 with eight threes? Uh, 36 with eight threes. Eight from 13 from three, exactly. So, whew. I wish we could see that more, but, you know, I'm not expecting it. I don't even want him shooting 13 threes half the time. Yeah, so that was one of those games where it was good to see both of them go off, but, um, you know, it was it's not something that's sustainable. KP's not going to shoot like that every night, and we know that. Um, we needed that to balance out Zion not missing a single shot the entire night. Um, well, he missed one. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, one. <laughs> yeah. I think he was like, sorry. We, he was like 15 he or 16 shot. or something. Uh, Zion just so, bullying us just enforces the fact that we need a big body down there. We don't need a shot blocker. We just need a body. Yeah. Like, I'm not asking somebody to necessarily, like, pin him in the rim. I'm talking somebody just get in his way. Well, I mean, we have one technically if you want to count Boban, but he's not going to play. So, um, yeah, we're not asking nice. for the Kembe Matumbo. <laughs> it would just be nice to have somebody deter him or deter anybody in the paint. Right. Yeah, I think get, a, makes- get, get physical with him because the guys that we have just aren't built to get physical with someone like Zion. Exactly. Um, and I know Maxi did a good job against him last year, but post COVID, Maxi has been hard to watch. Yeah, poor Maxi. Uh, I can't, I can't harp on Maxi too much because you know, uh, we still don't know how COVID, uh, the co- recovery of COVID affects these players uh, right. physically. Because we saw uh, when Westbrook came back from COVID, he necessarily wasn't the same either, and he was coming off an injury as well. So, uh, not going to harp on Maxi as much as I harp on KP. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um... But the Maxi situation and the KP situation both come back into play when we talk about that last game. And a perfect transition for the second week in a row. You stole in my gig, but I'll let it ride. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my bad. For the my next bad. game, you know, it's it's cool. I won't I won't talk to my lawyers. I don't have any. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers <laughs> beat us one twenty one to one eighteen in a very close game that wouldn't have been as close if we would have gotten some form of help from the highest paid player on the team. There's the deep breath. Yep, let it out. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, I I just talked about it, the interior presence situation. Uh, KP didn't show up on either side of the ball. Uh, terrible screen, terrible uh, defense over screens. Uh, there were a couple plays where he was even down near the post and watched Dame or others come to the hole and do a layup or a dunk. Uh, I watched Derek Jones Jr. jump over him for a rebound and dunk it. Like he is not comfortable down there on on defense and offensively he was turned back into a jump shooter because the Blazers had guys that could be physical with him. Like all that stuff we saw in the Minnesota game where he was inside working, putting Nas Reed 
in the mix was gone because these guys are Nas Reed. And so, <laughs> okay, I was I was letting you finish, you know. Oh, so yeah, it was, it was the last thing. So and so he became seven foot three Tim Hardaway Jr. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was worth the wait because I wasn't expecting that one. Uh, no, nah, I've probably seen more effort on defense from Tim Hardaway Jr. To be honest, um, some of he showed no effort on the rebounding end. And most of it towards the end was probably because he got himself in foul trouble, just playing shitty, shitty defense, uh, just just swiping at the ball. I don't know if these were supposed to be block attempts or not. I don't know what happened to the KP that actually used to swipe shots. I, I know when a player has a serious injury and they come back from it, they don't play as physical if they were a physical player beforehand. And I get that. But, bro. This is a this is a big drop. Like I've seen I've seen prime Kevin Love play more defense. Yeah. I feel like he just doesn't know he's seven foot three. Like I watch him over the screens or like when he gets ISO, he turns sideways. Like he opens up. Like get wide, dude. It's Stand like uh, flat. I don't wanna I don't wanna jump on the uh the trade KP train because I genuinely don't feel that way because we've seen him be great. And it wasn't even that long ago. It was in the bubble. We saw him be great. We know he's capable of it. I just don't understand. I don't know if it's the offense. I don't know. As far as defense is him, his lack of effort on defense is him. I'm not giving him a pass for that. The offense on the other hand is where he's not showing up. I'm not sure if, he's lacking confidence if he's too comfortable taking a backseat to Luca, if it's the way Rick wants to run the offense because I'm tired of saying it camped out at the three-point line you know what I'm going to ramble on because we don't want to take up too much time but and to sum it all up do better yeah um do, do better and it's like I won't ramble either but we can't go back and forth between 36 points and you know 20 shots like he's supposed to get and then 18 and the only reason he had 18 he did get fouled a few times and got to the line and made eight free throws which means he only made like five actual shots um that's not enough with the way this team is built there's i mean i think we only got 12 from hardaway i think dorian finney smith was the third leading scorer with 14. Anytime Dorian Finney-Smith or Maxie's the third guy, it's usually not going to be a good thing. So that that's kind of how I feel about that. And I think just to cap it off, coming off those three wins against teams, we were we should have beat. Right. Uh, it was it was we needed that humbling against the Blazers because a lot of these fans were getting way too comfortable and were starting to smell themselves. And it's like we were beating nobodies. Now we played against right. the team that's in the middle of the playoffs. And we got home. So it's like, please don't forget that the issues that we have are still present. They haven't gone anywhere. We just played bad teams. Right. And when we run up against these teams that can exploit those issues, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Like Cantor took over the game for a stretch because KP couldn't handle. And even still, we had a chance to win last night. Luca got the best look on a shot I think you could get. And it just, it didn't Mm -hmm. fall. 
Uh, yeah, I know he didn't sleep last night, and his girl's probably mad because she ain't getting none. But um, she should have gave him some. Maybe that. He wasn't Luca. Luca was like not. Luca was not feeling it last night. He was trying to get some shots up. Man, you crazy, man! Look, <laughs> it's twenty eighteen. Saints versus Rams, the no call. I mean, I know you don't follow football like that, but I'm pretty sure you know what that is. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't that one. I'm sorry. It was the other heartbreak, the Minnesota miracle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, quick story. Right before oh, that, man. during that game, <laughs> I was chilling with my girlfriend. I was supposed to go to a comedy show, and I was supposed to go see Gary Owens. That play happened. I didn't laugh for the first 20 minutes of the show. <laughs> Eventually, I started eventually i started you know how upset you got to be not to laugh at gary owen jesus christ <laughs> but eventually you know i started laughing but did i not want to have sex later that night of course not i was still pissed off i took it out on her moving on uh <laughs> so uh that's what we're gonna that's what that's why you don't have a valentine i got it <laughs> oh that might be true Oh, uh, fuck you. Okay. Um, so we're going to move on to the uh, rumors and general topic section. Okay. I guess. Uh, would you like to start off with the big fish? Let's go. Let's go straight forward. Uh, Andre Drummond will officially be sitting for the Cleveland Cavaliers while they try to find a destination for him via trade. Uh, right now, it seems like the Toronto Raptors are ahead of the pack. Uh, I don't know if any updates have happened recently, but last time I checked, the Raptors were the uh, team I was hearing the most. It was actually the only team I was really hearing. Yeah, it was uh, the they, Raptors were the only teams that were quote unquote engaged. Well, Shams or Shams, however you want to pronounce it, said that the Raptors were actively engaged. And then um, Woj came back and was like, no teams are actually engaged. So they were going back and forth. Uh, then some news came out. I'm not sure how true it is, but you know, I'm gonna take it with a grain of salt that the Mavericks uh, would be interested in Andre Drummond uh, if a buyout were to occur with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And my initial reaction was, why the fuck would you do that? Why not just actually try to trade for him? You know, be aggressive instead of being passive, like we always are doing things like free agency. Uh, someone replied to my tweet and said that uh, we don't have the expiring contracts big enough to make the trade happen. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I was about to say we definitely do. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is making what 18, 19 million. Yep, yeah. Uh, so James Johnson is making what 15, 16 million. I think he's up 19 also. Really, yep. Oh, then we definitely, I mean, he's not getting any freaking minutes. So exactly. what else are we doing with him? Absolutely nothing. Uh, what's your thoughts on the whole buyout versus them being aggressive and trading for him? Nah, you hit it on the head. Um, sitting back and waiting is what we do and why we never get anybody. You have to be the aggressor. We got KP because we were the aggressor. Um, so if no matter how you feel about Andre Drummond, if you're interested in having Andre Drummond on your roster, and you have players that match his salary on your bench that aren't doing anything, then you make the trade. Like why, why sit back and wait to be, to get chose? 
you do the choosing. Hey, I want this guy. I'm not going to wait to see if Toronto is able to pull it off. I'm not going to wait to see if he prefers Brooklyn. I'm going to bring him into my system for the rest of this year to see if we can make something work with him. And if it works, then we already had the trial run. And now we just got to sell him on staying for, you know, a price that we can pay. If it doesn't work, then he's gone at the end of the year, just like those expiring contracts are going to be. So it's it. I don't see how we lose in that scenario, even if we have to include one foul. Oh wow! Oh god! I couldn't imagine us losing the white power. Oh man! We we could probably get something else back in the meantime. It would be would be the point there. Like if we gave up Powell, I think we could probably get one of their young guys, one of their shooters. Like you know that was my. you know that was not sarcasm, right? No, I heard you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that's that's for the people that are actually going to have that reaction. Yeah, that's true. Uh, which, shamefully enough, there are some people that will have that reaction. Uh, I'm just, I, I'm over it. I'm not expecting the Mavericks to make any moves, even though they know damn well they should. It's just, right. you know, I feel like if I don't expect it, uh, if it happens, I'd be much more excited, but I'd rather not expect it and for nothing to happen and be expecting it and, and be disappointed again. So That's like me with Mavs wins and losses. We go up big, I just still expect us to blow it. And if we win, fantastic. <laughs> but if not, then yeah, that's pretty much what I expected. I still um, haven't reached that level of growth yet. But it's sad. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's where we're at. Um, I, I'm with you as well. I don't expect us to be aggressive because our front office doesn't like us or Luca and they are taking him for granted the same way they did Dirk and hopefully it doesn't bite us in the ass in five years, four or five years. Look, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the day of the trade deadline, I get a notification that the Mavericks are traded a second round pick for someone at the end of another team's bench. So, uh, uh, this was this our point, plan all along. Uh, all that bullshit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Buckle up. <laughs> Buckle up. We're about to make the playoffs. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, hold on, hold on, hold up. I just made the comment, right? Right. That if we traded for um what's his face? Damn, I forgot the nigga name. Uh Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond. If we trade for Drummond, we might be able to get one of their other guys like Dylan Windler, right? Right. Dylan, Dylan Windler's not playing today. Hmm. This is the first time I've seen anything about an injury. Wait, he's oh, it's because he's injured, or he just didn't play. They they said knee, but I don't recall him getting hurt. Hmm. Okay. So I'm just gonna keep an eye on it. Something to definitely keep an eye on. Reporter Bibbs on the job. I understand. I see. <laughs> I see the moves. Uh. We're going to talk about shooters as well because obviously it's another need that uh, we're in the market for. Well, should be in the market for. I'm pretty sure they're not in the market for it. Uh, Damn thing. But yeah. I believe JJ uh, market for trade. Can you hear me? Yeah, you came back in. You good. Oh, okay. I believe JJ Reddick has been on the market for trades for about what three weeks now or two weeks? Yeah, it's been quiet. 
It's been very quiet, which is surprising. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a lot of contented teams that can use a J.J. Reddick to Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. But uh, uh, I was going to say I do. What would be a possible? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, so part of the reason Reddick is on the block, they said, is actually for performance. And, you know, he's not a spring chicken, so it would make sense for his uh, productivity to be declining at his age. Right. Um, I'm not sure what a trade would look like, but another guy I do want to bring up is Wayne Ellington because yes. the Pistons have talked about trading their vets as well. And he's shooting 44% mm-hmm. from three on six attempts a game. Bring back Wayne Ellington. We, we're, we're, we are known to do such things. We are. Uh, it's definitely in our DNA to do such things. Wouldn't be surprised. So that's definitely one I would I would keep an eye on, and I would be happy to see. I think I think this one will be different though, because we used to bring guys back uh, after they are already not as good as they once were. But Wayne Ellington in this <laughs> case would be better than he was when he was uh, a Maverick before. Somehow, so, you know, thirty three. Somehow, somehow it's, it seemed like those shooters, those guys who are really just shooting. Excuse me, just shooters get better with age, like a Kyle Corver and a JJ Reddick. It's crazy. It might be uh, because they can only do that now. That's true. <laughs> like, they're not distracted <laughs> by other things, <laughs> like trying to dunk on people and stuff. It's like, hey, just let me shoot these threes over here. Um, I, I I'm not expecting um the Mavericks to go get a. I mean, granted, I said I'm not expecting them to get anyone, but if they were <laughs> to get someone, I'm not expecting a JJ Reddick. Uh. Right. Someone we did skip that I missed, uh, you want to speak about Steven Adams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess you can kind of bundle that in with J.J. Reddick. Like, right. Damn, I missed the chance for a transition. <laughs> we could, I could see a scenario where we try to put a package together to get Adams and J.J. Reddick. Um, and it's probably going to cost some young talent to do so. If I had to make that prediction. I was going to say, what would that take? Like... I would imagine that at least one of the rookies is going in that trade. Hmm. I feel like it would probably have uh, would it have to be a Josh Green or a Tyrell Terry? I I, I mean, Bay's been looking good, but I don't know if that's enough to kind of swing the pendulum. Yeah, I don't think that's enough. I feel like the potential of a um, a Tyrell Terry or a, a Josh Green Will be enticed. Well, not enticing enough, but it will. Uh, we would have to give them up. We'll be forced to. Right. One of them, at least. The only reason I think they probably would prefer Green is because they have like three or four point guards already. Yeah, that's true. But then again, I mean, that would only hurt the spacing that they barely have already. True. So they're kind of in a lose lose situation. Yeah, they might come after Baden. I mean, in that case, I would consider us lucky because, you know, I like Tyler Bate, but I prefer Tyrell Terry and Josh Green they, much more personally. They might also prefer getting another, like, future pick in there and then we still don't have picks in the future. Yeah. Uh, um, excuse my French, but fuck that. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, we, already got deal with 
we already we already got to deal with the fact. First of all, I'm not trading a future first round pick and a rookie for Steven Adams and JJ Reddick. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I don't know. It's not there's not a there's not a it's sexy trade on that one. Um that like I'm I'm ready to pull the trader on. That I can think of. To be honest, outside of Andre Drummond, there aren't many sexy trades that I'm willing to pull the trigger on that I feel like will actually help. Yeah, same. Like I, I went through the list of players shooting over 40% from three. I went through the list of players that are averaging more rebounds than Luca, and it's pretty much Drummond and Adams. And then, like I said, Ellington was the main one that stuck out as a guy who's potentially available um, on the shooter market. So there's really not a lot of options out there like to, to really help us right now. And we already know what this offseason is about to be. So it's it's looking bleak if I had to say so myself. So maybe the the mass pull a rabbit out of the hat, but expectations are low. Yeah, this offseason is uh I think the pickings are gonna be slim this offseason. There's not gonna be much top tier talent. So all those expiring contracts we have, okay. Fantastic. But, um, uh, good luck with those. Basically but, uh, tax deductions. <laughs> uh, another player that's on the market that um you know a friend of the podcast Kenny seems to be enticed with if John is John Collins but I personally don't think he's realistic nah I don't think we got the juice I don't think we had a juice either I'm not even sure how much of the needle John Collins will move for us to be honest that too uh um, it's a name it's but, for KP. I mean if we trade him for KP then we're going to be stuck right where we are I feel like yeah uh, only thing is uh, potentially better health <laughs> yeah that's it still no defense still no rebounding right uh, we don't get better but uh, right. is there anyone else you have in mind someone I may be missing that we discussed not not realistically um Again, main things I'm looking at are rebounders and shooters, and I'm done doing the whole, oh, well, this guy does 15, 12 rebounds per 36 if he plays, you know, but he plays two minutes a game. I'm not I'm not doing that game. So uh, sticking to the realistic options, it's Drummond or Adams if you're trying to ask somebody that's actually going to come in and immediately definitely help on the glass. All right. Well, in that case, before we move off the topic of Andre Drummond, I would like, I would like to address, we would like to address the idiots, for lack of a better term. Uh, <laughs> I've been saying these things. I'm going to just say this quick, then I'm going to give it to you because this is all I really want to say. But I don't understand this theory that uh, Andre Drummond isn't going to help a contending team or Andre Drummond can't do much to get a team over the hump into contention or Andre Drummond's numbers have no impact on the game. I'm not sure if y'all watch or pay attention to basketball, but I'm going to break down some history for you. Andre Drummond, first of all, is one of the greatest rebounders this game has ever seen. I don't care what you say. Moving on. Andre Drummond has played for trash teams, the Detroit Pistons and now the Cleveland Cavaliers. Both Poverty franchises in the last 15 years. Yep. Well, well, for the most Besides part, LeBron. when Cleveland didn't have LeBron. Yeah. Besides LeBron. Besides LeBron. <laughs> but 
besides LeBron, they are poverty franchises. Uh, they're not known for winning. And I'm not sure if you understand, but there's not much, if you look at history, there's not much a big man is going to do on a bad team to help them win. Even franchise centers like a Carl Anthony Towns or a DeMarcus Cousins or Anthony Davis, they did what they could. But at the end of the day, if your best player is a big man and then everyone else is just role players, in this era, you're not going to win. Right. And Andre Drummond isn't on the level of any of the three big men I just mentioned. His best asset is his rebounding, which will help a contending team or help a team that needs someone to go over the hump. It's like if Rudy Gobert was the best player on a team and everyone else was rebounders, I meant role players, y'all would say, oh, well, Rudy Gobert is not going to help a contending team or Rudy right. Gobert has no impact on the game. You'd sound like idiots. Exactly. But you're going to think I'm crazy for saying that right now because you clearly see Rudy's impact on a team because he's on a good team. Right. And that's the part that annoys me is like people talk so confidently about him being a bad player. And it's like, Nate, who have his guards been? I'm go down the list. If you got, you got a list? <laughs> I don't have a list, but I know some names off the top of my head. Brandon Knight. Brandon Reggie Jennings, Jackson. Reggie Jackson, uh, now Colin Sexton. Uh, a young Colin uh, Sexton who's just now figuring it out. I'm pretty sure there's someone else I'm missing. Are we talking just point guards? Like, I mean, you could talk about the Luke Kennard who's been a shooting guard. Um, ben Gordon. Yeah, but broken down Ben Gordon. Broken down Ben Gordon. Like, um. He yeah. also played on a team where Stan Van Gundy thought it was a good idea to put Josh Smith, Greg Monroe, and Andre Drummond in one back court, in one front court. Right. Like he has not been in a position to succeed. Um, and so people talk about, and oh, let me talk about the empty stats first, real quick. <clears throat> I saw the NBA, I think it was NBA Central, one of those accounts I had blocked because all they do is <laughs> other people's news. Um, they posted that uh, a, a random anonymous NBA scout said that Drummond could have 30 and 20 and not impact the game. And Mavs fans all over that, right? But those same Mavs fans will shoot you in the street if you say that Luca has empty stat rebounds. Facts. So why is one an empty stat and not the other not? Speak on please, it. Please explain. Uh, Andre Drummond leads the league, and uh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get real nerdy with y'all. Let me put my glasses up real quick. He I'll leads the league. He leads the league in rebound percentage. That means the percentage of rebound opportunities granted to him, he's the one most likely to come out with the rebound. Twenty five point nine percent of the time when he is in the area, he's getting the rebound. Clint Capella is right behind him, but he is number one on the offensive glass. He is number four in that statistic behind Capella, Cantor, Adams. They're all, those four are above 15% on the offensive glass rebound percentage. And I don't think anybody's questioning any of those other three guys when it comes to them getting on the glass. Why is Drummond a question mark? And again, defensive glass, he's number one. 
uh, of those bigs, he also has a pretty high assist percentage. 15.8% mm-hmm. assist percentage. That is the estimate of the percentage of teammate field goals he assisted on while he was on the floor. So y'all want to talk about his turnovers and him putting the ball on the floor for ISOs. Again, he had no point guards. He had nobody to get him the ball. And he had nobody that could get a bucket on their own. So he ends up doing things he shouldn't be doing, like trying to cross people up, which he can do taking on two, three defenders at a time. So yeah, of course his field goal percentage isn't going to be great if he's getting double and triple teamed all the time. And it doesn't matter if he kicks it out because his teammates are ass and they're not going to make the shots. And he still managed to put up 15.8% assist rate. Um, and just to add some context to, text to that, let's look at the the other big men that are our elite rebounders and their assist percentages. Clint Capella. He's a role man. He doesn't really pass the ball much. He's at 5%. Cantor, when he gets the ball, he's not passing that thing. 7%. Rudy Gobert, 6%. Valanchunas, he moves the ball a bit, right? 12%. Still below Drummond. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, 8%. Tristan Thompson, 5%. Zubak, 7%. Jared Allen, 9%. DeAndre Jordan, 11 Joel Embiid is the first one that finally gets close to him at 15.3%. And again, Drummond is a better rebounder than Embiid. And he still and he has a better team around him. And yet he still manages to have a lower assist rate than Andre Drummond. The first big we get to that has a higher one than him on the that's a good rebounder too, Nikola Jokic. And there's a pack of them in the middle. Jokic, Antetokounmpo, and then Mason Plumley are all of the above him, but they are seven percent lower on the rebound rate numbers. He has a higher steal percentage than all the players I just named. Jokic is the next highest at two point one percent. Turnovers, yeah, fifteen point six percent turnover rate. I see a lot of people bring up him turning the ball over, right? 15.6% turnover. Capella's at 10. Cantor's 11. Gobert's 13. Valanchunas is 15. Aiton is 15. Thompson is 12. Zubak is 15. Jared Allen is 15. DeAndre Jordan is 27%. Embiid is 13. Jokic is 14. Giannis is 13.8. Plumlee's 20%. So... When you talk about him turning the ball over, these other dudes turning the ball over just as much. And then we get into usage, right? His usage rate is too high. It is. He's at 30.9% usage rate. Do you think his usage rate is going to be that high with Luka Doncic on the floor? No. The first guy you get to that has as high a usage rate as him is Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid should be. He has a higher usage rate than Jokic. So if you trim down his usage rate from 30% down to something reasonable like 20, 15, all of a sudden you eliminate all that extra stuff that you're complaining about, him putting the ball on the floor for ISOs and making goofy plays that people can clip and put on Shaq and a Fool, right? Because that's all y'all know is the goofy clips. 
the stuff, the, the moments where he's having to do more than he needs to be doing. Because if you recall at the beginning of that play, none of his teammates were getting open. He had to put the ball on the floor to make something happen from the three-point line. So uh, <laughs> actually watch basketball, actually think about things before you talk. If you reduce his usage rate, if you put him in situations where he only has to make moves with the ball when he it's time for him to move with the ball, if you put teammates around him that can actually shoot, all of a sudden you're looking at a completely different player. And I'm quite personally at the point where I don't even think Mavs deserve Andre Drummond. Like I almost want him to go to another team that has shooters, that has a point guard, and that is that is that has players that are better than him on the roster already. So uh, you can see how trash he is on a team that actually is competitive. And I apologize for going on a rant. No, that's not in me and certain Valentine's Day cheeks clapping. That's me giving a slow clap to that rant that we just heard. I can't wait to clip that. You summed it up perfectly. I don't even know how. It's like following Michael Jackson. I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> I kind of blacked out for a second. I apologize. <laughs> hey, look, you know what? Sometimes this fan base needs people to black out more often. And if we have to do it, then so be it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really annoying. I don't even engage with these people anymore. Uh, like I said, I don't know how to follow up on that. Bib summed it up perfectly. So uh, with that being said, we're going to go into a quick ad break. And we'll be back with two new segments that we have planned for y'all. So I know you... Uh... You probably got used to hearing bibs for a while on this ad, but uh, I'm going to take over the reins again uh, to tell you a bit about our ad, our sponsor, Anchor. Uh, back in 2020, during the pandemic, I finally took the opportunity to start my own podcast. The only issue was I had no idea where to start. Um, I didn't have any podcast equipment. Uh, no camera, no microphone, you know, uh, any things that you see in a studio. But what I did have was my cell phone, and that's why I discovered the Anchor app. Anchor is the perfect app for new podcasters, for beginning podcasters, for people to start their very own podcast. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, like I mentioned. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through other platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. So it's doing most of the work for you. All you have to do is hit play, press record, and get your work out there to the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And the best thing of all, Anchor is totally free. And on top of it being free... You can acquire your own sponsors like the ad I'm doing right now through Anchor. So you have an app for free that you can possibly make money off of. Seems like a fantastic deal to me. If you're interested in starting your own podcast with the Anchor app, make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. 
Tell them Reese sent you. So after that wonderfully placed ad break uh, by yours truly, <laughs> uh, we are back with a new segment that I had planned for the show. Uh, it's called Unsung Heroes of the Week, working title. Uh, I think I'm, I think I'm actually going to make that the title, working title. It's crazy. Uh, it's just me showing appreciation to uh, Mavs players outside of Luca and sometimes KP who uh, did their due diligence, played their role throughout the week, may not have had big or huge numbers, but uh, they contributed in ways they were supposed to. And this week, I'm giving it to Dorian Finney-Smith. Okay. Like I'm going to run down his stats for each game. Uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves, he played 32 minutes. He had seven points, seven rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block, and shot, shot three for four throughout the game. Granted, you don't need Dorian Finney-Smith to drop 15, 20 points a game. He went out and got rebounds. Clearly, rebounding is an issue for us. He's about the same size as their power forward and maybe their center. He took advantage of it, crashed the boards, got boards where we needed, and what happened? Came out with a victory. Next game, Atlanta Hawks. Dorian Finney-Smith played 37 minutes, which I, I don't want to see Dorian Finney-Smith play 37 minutes, but he came away with eight points, seven rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block, and shot three for six. Stuff in the stat, I mean, not stuff and stuff in the stat sheet, but, you know, lightly placing some things in there to fill it up a bit. You know, he pull, pulling Draymond's stat lines out here. Pulling Draymond's stat lines, you know, <laughs> baby Dre, maybe you know, uh, new nickname for him. Maybe if we give him that nickname, we could trade him somewhere. Uh, next game against the Pelicans, thirty-four minutes, fourteen rebounds. I mean, mm, fourteen points. I was like, what? Five. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I missed something. I was like, hold up. <laughs> fourteen points, five rebounds, one steal. Shot five for six and four for five from the three-point range. Granted, I'm not expecting Dorian Finney-Smith to always uh, shoot that well from three, but when he can do it, it helps a lot. And it showed in that game against the Pelicans where the Mavericks were raining all game. Now, on to the game that we lost uh, against the Portland Trailblazers. He played 34 minutes, had a sort of similar stat line to the last game with 14 points, three rebounds, one assist. One steal, one block, shot five for eight, and four for seven from three. Mm. Great game from Dorian Finney-Smith. We just couldn't pull out the victory. He was one of the guys, in my opinion, that showed up, clearly. Uh, yeah. if, if we get Dorian stuff in the stat sheet like this, I don't want to see him go unless it's uh, for someone who can greatly impact our team. So right. shout out to Dorian Finney-Smith for being the inaugural Mavs Outsiders Podcast Unsung Hero. And now for the weekly forecast, I'm going to kick it to my co-host, Michael Bibbins. All right, Reese, thank you for that uh, player of the week. That was, uh, or that, sorry, Unsung Hero of the Week. <laughs> uh, but we're going to look at the uh, weekly forecast. We've got two big games on the docket. Uh, middle of the week, swinging through, we got the Detroit Pistons. Uh, currently, they're resting Blake Griffin, preparing to trade him to absolutely nobody because ain't nobody taking on that contract. Am I right? <laughs> uh, 
Sadiq Bay coming off player of the week honors and Mavs fans are thirsty for his meat. So uh, hopefully he swings <laughs> it all over. <laughs> Dallas uh, Metroplex. Uh, and of course, it's a, a revenge game for Delon Wright, who was unceremoniously shipped out uh, to Detroit and is now straight hooping. Uh, should be an interesting one there. And then, of course, we got to deal with Jerry and Grant. How many times will he place his testicles on KP's neck? We don't, we'll, we have yet to see. Uh, so, moving forward in the week, on Friday, we, we were uh, welcoming the Houston Rockets into the forecast, and uh, they're dealing with some situations now. Victor Oladipo may or may not play, dealing with a foot injury. Uh, Christian Wood, as we know, is still out as well. And then tonight, apparently, Ray Spalding, uh, another former Maverick, I was prepared to say he was going to have a revenge game, but apparently he has gone down with an Achilles-type injury. I did not see it, and I'm not sure of the severity but uh, definitely not a good thing there, so you hate to see it. However, we saw what Cuz did to us last time, and uh, we don't we haven't made any corrections, so it should be an interesting game to watch. Reese, uh, back to you. Uh, thank you for that forecast, Bibbs. Uh, I thought I was kicking it to Bibbs out of Barack Obama, but nonetheless, <laughs> wonderful, uh, wonderful presentation. Uh, I believe that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. First of all, I have to say, uh, I muted my mic about three times, dying laughing at that forecast. Uh, <laughs> the one time I, I, I couldn't catch it. I couldn't catch the mute when you said, just a, I just couldn't. I couldn't catch it. When I died, I fell on the floor, I promise you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, that's going to do it for this edition of uh, the Maps Outside of Podcast. I want to thank everyone uh, I'm pretty sure I can speak on behalf of Bibbs as well, but I want to thank everyone who turned into the first episode and supported. Y'all definitely came out and uh, showed us love. We appreciate it. Uh, we're going to keep doing this thing as long as y'all support us. Do support us, because if you don't, I'll find you. And if you want to hit us with a five-star review on Apple Podcast, we would love that too. Gifts. Donations, gifts, donations. I tell everyone, you walk into the podcast, you leave a five-star review, it helps us a lot. It's like when you walk into someone's home, you wipe your feet on the mat. You don't walk into someone's home with nice, fresh carpet, with snow all over your shoes, or mud all over your shoes. You don't do it. So take your shoes off, wipe them on the mat, leave us a five-star review. We'd appreciate it very much. We're very humble guys. Anything else, Bibbs? That's all I got. That's all I got. Uh, for Mind of Reese on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Bibbs Corner on Twitter. We'll catch y'all next week. Go Mavs. Gang, gang. Peace. <laughs>